The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We want to thank our sponsor today, Kelly Warner Law. To learn more about Kelly Warner's internet defamation and trade libel legal practice for entrepreneurs and professionals, head on over to kellywarnerlaw.com forward slash infographic. That's K-E-L-L-Y-W-A-R-N-E-R-L-A-W dot com forward slash Infographic. You can also click on the logo on the IThinkBigger.com radio page website. Today we welcome Professor Don Fotopoulos. She's an associate professor of business at the King's College in New York City. She's also an experienced entrepreneur and a small business turnaround expert. She's here today because she has a new book called Accounting for the Number Phobic, a survival guide for small business owners. And I think this is going to be really interesting because most of the small business owners I know know the numbers are important, but that's not what their passion is. So uh, Dawn has helped more than 300 small businesses from financial failure, and she's helped thousands of entrepreneurs thrive, no matter what the economic environment is. She's an expert in her field, and as such, she's been featured on MSNBC's Your Business at the New York Times Small Business Summit and in Forbes. And you can also go out to her website at bestsmallbizhelp.com to find out more about Dawn and the resources that she provides. Welcome to the show today. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so glad that you could join us today. Now, as I said during the opening, many small business owners, they have a passion for what they do. And when it comes to the numbers, sometimes they even approach them with a lot of dread. And so they'll hire somebody like an accountant or bookkeeper. Even when you do that, though, you have to, as the business owner, have a fundamental understanding of those financials in order to grow your business. So what's the first step in getting a handle on the numbers if, you know, for the small business owners out there listening who just really approach the numbers with dread? Well, Kelly, let me just ask you a quick question. Mm-hmm. I'll answer your question with a question. How about sure. That, that sounds good. Okay. Do you drive a car? I absolutely do. You do. You know what? So do I. So what do we do when we drive a car? We go into the driver's seat, close the door, put on our straps, and put the key in the ignition, and then we shut our eyes and expect to get to our destination, right? Oh, yes, every day. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay, how ridiculous is that? Exactly. Well, then, then not understanding your financial statements is the equivalent of doing exactly that in your small business. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would say is you got to change your mindset. you got to change your mindset. you got to get to that place where you say, I don't want to be an accountant. You don't have to be. But I want to drive with my eyes open mm-hmm. because the failure rate of small business is 50% right now. That is a staggering number. Yes, I it mean, is. I mean, think about that. 50%, 5-0. We would be better served to take the money that we're throwing at these small businesses and go to Atlantic City and at least get a cheap meal and a, and a show, right? <laughs> I mean, 
what are we doing 50% failure rates? But I have to tell you, after being in the trenches for 15 years with thousands of small businesses, I can tell you that a lot of them that are going bankrupt should never be going bankrupt. They're going bankrupt simply because they are driving with their eyes closed. And, and when I get them in the classroom or when they take a webinar or seminar with me where they read the book, what happens is the light bulb goes off over their head, and it's not difficult stuff. That's the important thing. So the first thing is you got to realize that working harder and getting more customers will not solve your problem. Mm-hmm. And that's the knee-jerk reaction. When somebody can't pay their bills, when a small business owner can't pay their bills, they assume the way out of the, out of the problem is to get more customers. And I've seen it a million times in every kind of business you can imagine. The answer is not to get more customers. The answer is to get more profit. Right. You don't even know if you're making a profit or not. You don't even know what customers are profitable. You don't even know what products or services are profitable. So before you start scaling an unprofitable business, find out which ones are working hard for you. Exactly, because you just get more of the problem if you hire, if you uh, get more customers on the losing end of things. (laughs) Well, that's right. That's right. And I have to say, and so to me... I mean, look, I was number phobic at one point in my life, which is why I'm so passionate about this subject. It took me 20 years to learn this stuff. Mm. I can teach it to somebody in two weeks. Wow. So the the good news is it's really pretty basic and straightforward. It's very straightforward. If you can add two and two, you can understand this stuff. And it doesn't take a long time. Yeah. Yeah. No. Why do you think that business owners are so number phobic, why they really dread looking at their financials when you know, a few pages of paper can paint your story so accurately at times. Why wouldn't you embrace that as a tool? Why are, why are business owners so scared of it? I, well, I think we're scared of things we don't understand. Mm. And quite honestly, as a college professor, I can tell you that we teach accounting backwards. Hmm. We do. We teach all the building blocks, but we don't answer the why questions. And so what accounting for the number phobic really is an attempt to do, by the way, it's illustrated by Disney artist Ron Bucallo, hmm. who is a very, very funny man. And I said to him, I'm going to give you the toughest job in the world. You've got to make accounting funny. And he actually <laughs> did accomplish that. It's the only book on accounting that will make you laugh. And oh. the idea, of course, was to just break down all the intimidation so that the stuff is approachable. And I, I think the reason why people are fearful is because their accountants speak a language they don't understand. The IRS is very intimidating. Yes. And we want it all to go away. I mean, it's very <laughs> funny. I've done I've done a free association exercise in my uh, workshops, and I'll just say, I'm going to say a word, and then I want you to come back with your unfiltered thoughts, and I'll say accounting, and then I get things like, makes me want to crawl up into a fetal position. <laughs> uh, another one said, I'd rather spend the weekend with my mother-in-law. I mean, like really crazy, funny stuff. And and it's simply because the 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 terminology is confusing because an accountant's job security is dependent on you being dependent on them. Mm-hmm. And um, and I also think that there are very few places you can really go to learn this stuff and learn it in a way that's going to be useful to you. So you can take an accounting course and you can still not understand this right. stuff. And in fact. If you read some of the comments on Amazon about uh, the book, Accounting for the Number Phobic, 
there are people on there who said, you know, I've read a million books on this topic. I've taken courses. I've never understood it until now. You brought it down into plain language that the layperson can understand. You've made it fun. You've taken the dread out of it. One of the things that you talk about is a financial dashboard. What do you mean by that? And what needs to be on that financial dashboard? That's a good question, Kelly. Um, I mean, basically, we took a metaphor. I took a metaphor that most people would understand. Most people drive. They know what a dashboard is. They know they have, for example, a speedometer on their dashboard. Mm -hmm. They have um, their gas gauge on their dashboard. And they have that funky little red light that you pray you never see. Because (laughs) you know that if you do, that your transmission's in trouble. So we took those three things, those three gauges. Right. All they do is measure the environment. So the speedometer measures your speed the same way that your profit and loss statement measures how much profit you're generating. Mm-hmm. Um, your gas gauge measures how much gas you have in the tank, which is going to indicate how long you can go before you have to fill up again. Yeah, well, it goes to cash flow. flow mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So your cash flow statement is a lot like your gas gauge. You know, how, how long can you run the business on the cash that you have before you need more cash? Wherever that cash comes from. You're going to need more cash or you can't continue operations. So your cash flow statement is like your gas gauge. And then your balance sheet is like your oil pressure gauge. If you have too much debt, it's, you're going to blow a gasket. <laughs> so you need some pressure in the system probably to grow the business, to invest in the business, but not so much that it's really going to make it impossible for you to pay that debt back. Right. So we use those three gauges, the, the net income statement, the cash flow statement, and the balance sheet to help give a 360-degree view of the business. And together, they really do do that. Yeah, and and you you break it down into an analogy that most of us can understand, and and that's the beauty of this. And then, you know, let's stay with this car analogy. You have talked about the accountant and how sometimes accounting language can be difficult to understand. But even if we understand the numbers, as business owners, we need to keep our focus on the business. And yes, we need that fundamental understanding, but we still need to have a bookkeeper and accountant. You're not uh, a proponent of saying, oh, learn it, and then you don't need these professionals. Not that at all. That's not what you're saying. But how involved should an accountant be in your business? Uh, What role should they play? Uh, And you know, what's the balance there, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. Well, the primary role of your accountant is to keep you out of an audit with the IRS. Mm. The primary role of the accountant is to make sure that the books are clean, to make sure that you file your taxes on time, and if you're in a retail business, that you put away estimated taxes so that when it comes time to pay them, it's not onerous or difficult or it doesn't sink the business cash flow-wise. So the accountant is also there to keep up on what happens with new tax laws and new tax implications so that you don't have to do that. It's very complicated. And you shouldn't have to do that. You should really be spending your time managing customers and developing new products and services and so on. So the accountant has a very important role. I have both. I have both an accountant and a bookkeeper. And the bookkeeper does all my monthly reconciliations with my bank statements. So, for example, I have a consulting practice and I also, you know, um, I also have, um, you know, my personal life. So the consulting practice is a corporation. It's a sub-S corporation. And then I have all my personal transactions, and they are separated. I have two different bank accounts for them. I have two separate credit cards for them. And I'm communicating to the IRS that I have two separate activities in my life 
and they are reconciled separately as well. And my bookkeeper basically reduces my accounting costs mm-hmm. because she costs me $100 a month instead of 250 or 300 bucks an hour. Right. So at the end of the year, instead of paying two or three thousand dollars in accounting fees, I pay about fifteen hundred dollars because my bookkeeper has done all the reconciliations along, you know, each month mm-hmm. along as the year progresses, which makes reconciliation a breeze at the end of the year, and it also makes filing for the IRS a breeze. And most people can't say that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point. Of the uh, millions of small businesses that are out there, a good number of those, a large percentage of those are sole proprietors. And that's one of the things that you hear all the time, but still some some people fail to heed. And that is you need to keep your business and your personal transactions totally, totally separate. And too many people, even in S corporations, a lot of business owners will run some of their personal stuff through the business and it just creates a mess well it creates a mess for two reasons a it's um you risk triggering an audit which is not smart um the other thing too is if you're building a business that you eventually want to sell and in fact everybody who runs a small business should be looking to do that because after all what are we doing here are we just buying ourselves a job or are we building something that has some terminal value where after 20 years of killing ourselves, we can actually get a big, a big payday. Why shouldn't that happen? Especially if we're taking all that risk. So what happens when you run your personal, if you take that risk and you run your personal expenses through the business, it depresses the profitability. So it's sort of in the short term, you're not paying as much in taxes because you're reducing profitability. But in the long term, you can't rationalize selling the business for a nice big chunk of money because you can't prove that the business can generate that in profitability. Right, right. 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 We're going to take a quick break. We're talking here with Dr. or Professor Don Fotopoulos. She's the Associate Professor of Business at the King's College in New York City, talking about uh, how to make financials understandable and less scary to small business owners who do not have a bookkeeping or accounting background. We'll be right back. From finding new customers to getting more with less to just plain growing, I take my business personally. And that's why I'd like to personally invite you to the KC Business Builders Bootcamp, Wednesday, April 8th. Join sales growth experts and your fellow KC entrepreneurs and get growing. Go to sprint.bizhive.com slash KC to learn more or call 1-800-420-4070. That's sprint.bizhive.com slash KC or 1-800-420-4070. A lot of people who listen to this show are small business owners and entrepreneurs, and legal representation is critical, and it's critical to have it before you need it. But if someone defames you, Online or off, find a defamation lawyer as soon as possible. Not doing so could inadvertently ruin an otherwise solid claim. Kelly Warner Law caters to people like you, entrepreneurs. One of the top Internet law practices in the country, the attorneys at Kelly Warner have mastered the art of online reputation maintenance. Since opening their doors, Kelly Warner has helped more than 1,000 businesses and professionals with all manner of trade libel and business defamation situations. More than just a client advocate, Kelly Warner's website is a resource for Internet defamation news, tips, 
case studies, and statutes, both domestic and international. To read up on the legalities of online defamation law, head to kellywarnerlaw.com, a boutique law firm that delivers big firm results and better for a fraction of the price. Kelly Warner works with clients across North America, Europe, Australia, Canada, and Asia. To learn more about Kelly Warner's internet, defamation, and trade libel legal practice for entrepreneurs and professionals, head on over to kellywarnerlaw.com forward slash infographic. That's K-E-L-L-Y-W-A-R-N-E-R-L-A-W.com forward slash infographic. You can also click on the logo on the ithinkbigger.com website. I'm Sarah. I'm Ellen. One night I was at a bar. One night I was at a bar. I had one too many drinks. I had one too many drinks. I got behind the wheel. I got a cab. A squirrel ran across the road. A squirrel ran across the road. I swerved. The cab swerved. I hit a guy. The cabbie just missed a guy. I wish I took a cab. Thank goodness I took a cab. You have the choice to save a life. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here this morning with Dr. Don Fatopoulos. She's the Associate Professor of Business at the King's College in New York City. She is the author of a new book called Accounting for the Number Phobic, a survival guide for small business owners. And she's been giving us tips on how to make the numbers less formidable and really given a great argument for why you can't bury your head when it comes to the numbers. And as she uses a car analogy, you don't get in a car and expect to drive it to a destination with your eyes closed. Yet so many of us as business owners do just that. So Don, what do you think is the most common mistake that small business owners make when they don't understand their financials? Well, I'll give you a good example, Kelly. A jewelry designer came to me and um, he was doing $750,000 a year in sales and uh, had 350 clients around the country, boutiques, had been in business about 12 years, and he was $400,000 in debt on credit cards. My gosh. Okay, good. You had the right response. Okay. That's terrifying. <laughs> How did he sleep at night? Ter- terrifying. Well, he, not very well. Okay. And his response to that situation was to try to find more customers. And I took him by the hand and I said, I want you to sit down here and I want you to understand why you're in the hole almost half a million dollars at 21% interest, oh, by the way. Mm -hmm. I said, let me explain to you why. You're in the hole because every time you sell an earring, a pair of cufflinks, you actually lose money. And his eyeballs almost fell out of his head. (laughs) I said, let me show you why I I believe that that's true. And then I took out his P&L and I showed him his gross margins by product. And he said, I never even knew that. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so let me give you some parameters. You don't sell anything unless it has a gross margin of 30% or greater. Because if you do, if you, if you don't do that, if you don't um, make sure reach that hurdle rate, then every time you sell something, you're actually going to lose money. And no, you will not make it up on volume. Right. I knew um, a woman once who owned restaurant. She started out with one very successful restaurant, and then she started opening other ones up and down the coast. And she, come to find out, she was very successful, but she confessed one day that she did not understand her financials. And when asked why and how she was able to continue to grow and, for heaven's sakes, even open more locations, her 
um, response to that was that she would have a regular schedule of visiting each of those restaurants during the noon rush hour, and she would observe how busy her busboys were. And if they were, you know, turning tables at a certain uh, rate and, and uh, having to bus at a certain rate, she knew from watching that. And, and she was successful just based on observing that kind of behavior. When she finally learned, took a class, and learned how to uh, read the financial statement, uh, her instincts were correct, but she gleaned so much more information that she became even more successful. So I guess my point there is that even for business owners who think that they have, you know, there's certain key things that they watch that are non-numeric, that learning the numbers still has a big benefit. Well, it, it does. And it was very interesting. I was interviewed by, by uh, someone who shall remain nameless a few months ago. <laughs> And he said, well, my wife made $60,000 last year in her small business, and she's doing just fine. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, but what if she could have made twice that with the same amount of effort? Right. You just threw cold water in my face. (laughs) Yeah. So that pretty much speaks to what you just said, Kelly. Yeah. So how much time... Uh, you know, of course, you know, everybody's busy. That's another excuse. I don't have time to take a course. I don't have time to meet with an advisor on this kind of thing. How much time does it really take someone who, as you call them, a number phobic, need to devote to get a, a really solid understanding of their business's numbers? If I had them in a workshop, I could do it in four hours. Wow. Because I've done it in four hours. Um, if they read the book, I have people who've read the book over a weekend. I mean, if you're committed to reading it, but you've got to read it step by step. Um, or if you're going to do it, you know, over a period of time, maybe max two weeks, but mm-hmm. you got to, you know, follow the yellow brick road. I have a course online that you can take that mirrors the book. So if you're a visual person, that might work. Um, I'm going to be giving a webinar in a few weeks. So if anybody's interested, they can just email me, dfotopoulos at gmail.com. So my first initial and my last name. But um, if you're committed to this and you want to change your life and you don't want to be a statistic, Two weeks max. Yeah, and that seems like such a small amount of time to alleviate a lot of stress and worry and headaches because, let's face it, you may be thinking that you're avoiding bad news by looking at your numbers, but you're carrying that around inside of you as stress and uh, energy that you're not putting back into your business because you're you're worrying about your financial situation. So let's talk. Let's get down. Well, before we do that... Tell me your website one more time. You gave us your email address, but what's your website? The website is bestsmallbizhelp.com. Okay, bestsmallbizhelp.com. Bestsmallbizhelp.com. Dawn mentioned a webinar, and she mentioned a course that you can take, and I'm sure that you can find those on there. Let's get down in the weeds for just a minute and talk about the balance sheet. P&Ls, that's one thing. Okay, we spent this much money here, and we spent – or we we, – made this much money here. Uh, to, to me, anyway, those are a little bit easier to understand. But the balance sheet, boy, those can get really tricky. And to an untrained person, they can really be difficult to read. If you were sitting across from a business owner and they said, okay, just give me the basics on this balance sheet. What do I really need to focus on? What would you tell them? The balance sheet only has three areas on it. That's it. Three areas. A balance sheet for a business is just like the balance sheet for your personal life. It's your net worth statement. That's really what it is. And we all have net worth. Sometimes it's positive. Sometimes it's negative. Hopefully it's positive. But an asset 
is one area of the balance sheet. Liabilities is the second area. And the third area is owner's equity. Mm -hmm. So an Mm -hmm. asset is something that you own. You have titles to it. It's yours. A house might be an asset. A piece of equipment might be an asset. Mm -hmm. Cash is an asset. It's yours. You can do with it whatever you want. So that's an asset. That's what you own. A liability is something that you owe. It's money that you owe. It's a debt that you have that you are obligated to pay back. It could be a credit card, a credit line. It could be a mortgage, but it's a liability to you. So what you own less, what you owe to other people is your net worth. Mm -hmm. So if you own a house that's 100 grand and you owe $10,000 on your credit card and you owe nothing else, then your net worth or your owner's equity is going to be $90,000. It's that simple. Asset minus liability equals owner's equity. Okay. And and you do sum it up very nicely there. As, as we close here, you know, one of the, the things that you say is that financial literacy, getting, your, getting our arms around that, especially for small business owners, could potentially save the U.S. economy. Why do you say that? Because I believe that half the businesses that are going bankrupt are going bankrupt because the owners do not understand what's going on in their businesses and they're making bad business decisions. So if we could open up their eyes and if we could teach financial literacy to every single person who opens a small business, I believe we can cut small business failures in the house. And according to the chairman of the board of the Intuit company, if we could improve small business survival rates by only 5%, we could eliminate the unemployment problem in the United States. Wow. That's, that's truly fascinating. And as we know, uh, small businesses make up the greatest number of businesses in the U.S. I think sometimes people are very surprised when I throw out the statistic that 86% of all businesses in the U.S. have 19 or fewer employees. You would not know that by reading the mainstream media or by listening to the mainstream media. Uh, so when you talk about uh, saving the U.S. economy, if that's probably very accurate. If you could just turn 5% of them around, uh, the ramifications of that would be phenomenal. It would be, Kelly, and I've turned 300 businesses around that would have gone bankrupt. And then when they've read the book or I've had them in class, they are soaring after maybe six months. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Just what, what, what insight like that can do to help you run your business. Again, as we close up here, what would people need to do to get in touch with you? Please have them reach out to me via email. It's dsatopoulos at gmail.com. I'd like to hear from them. Or they can uh, visit me at my website, bestsmallbizhelp.com. There are some great resources on there. There are tons of articles on there. Or buy the book, Accounting for the Number Phobic, A Survival Guide for Small Business Owners on Amazon. And you can get the Kindle version for 10 bucks. It's the best 10 bucks you'll ever spend. Yeah, it sounds like it. And Photopolis is spelled F-O-T-O-P-U-L-O-S. So uh, make sure that you get in touch with Dawn via her website or email. She has a lot of things that can help you run your business. And we really appreciate the time that you took to help us here today uh, get a better understanding of our financials. Kelly, great to be with you. Yes. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.